0: It's time for Heatwave Sports. Sit back and relax as you take a tour around the world of sports each and every Saturday and Sunday night. And now, your hosts for Heat Wave Sports, Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton.
1: Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 989 FM, 1340 AM. It's Tim Unglesby, it's Mateo, here in Las Vegas, my co-host always. He's back east from TomBartonSports.com, Mr. Tommy Barton. Tom, we get tonight, we get tomorrow night, we got plenty to talk about, so it's going to be a fun weekend here talking sports with you.
0: Yeah, it's our last full weekend for a little while, actually, because of the uh, Vegas Golden Knights coming and, and playing so many late games, so... We got to embrace this this weekend, and hey, what a weekend to have! Right? I mean, World Series. We're going to talk about that obviously. Huge, huge day in college football. NFL, of course, is going to be the main uh, main dish here. We got a little college basketball coming up, right? We're going to be talking mm-hmm. about that this weekend. We have maybe a little NBA No, probably not. A little NHL, you know. <laughs> I mean, we have we have all of the sports going basically this weekend if you want to include college basketball which we should do our preview and talk about uh who we think is going to win so every single sport could be on the docket for everybody to come up and talk about you guys want to give us a call 876-1340 at heatweight sports at hw sports over on twitter or tom barton sports over on twitter as well
1: you're right Uh, it's really this weekend we're going to talk about everything Baseball season ends tonight. The basketball season starts Monday. Everything in between. And, yes, you're right. Week 9 of the NFL, the main dish on the table tonight. Because after week 9, Tom, it'll be the official halfway point of the NFL season. How about that? Week 18 now. So, 9 becomes half. It's
0: just so ridiculous. (laughs) It really is. I I can't stand it. I I really can't. Uh, My whole career, I used to look at teams and go, well, they're about a 500 team. Right. Uh, but they could one game here or there. Uh, now I can't even say the word 500 team. It, it's crazy. Uh, you, we're going to get bye weeks. It, it's a mess. It's a mess. I can't stand changing something. You know, the NFL, they were doing. A, 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 I don't know if you heard this, Tim. They, they were doing OK financially. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, They're doing they're doing OK. You know, just the greatest franchise in, in the history of sports. Right. <laughs> greatest league money wise ever. So they wanted to shake it up. And I'm still not OK with it.
1: Yeah, Yeah. well, we'll do NFL a little bit later. I think we'll do the college hoops tomorrow night with the NFL recap. So that leaves a couple things on the table. We're going to talk a little UNLV football later as well. So let's do the baseball as the season on November the 5th. The season finally comes to an end. The Houston Astros win their second World Series, Tom, as they knock off the Philadelphia Phillies four games to two. They win the last three games of the series, pull away in this one. And really, if you take away that game one comeback by Philadelphia, it was a pretty dominant series by Houston. But they had a dominant playoffs to go with a dominant season, and it is what it is. The Houston Astros, your champs. No,
0: they're not. They're not my champs. They're about as much champs as, uh, you know, the Dodgers' fake championship, the, the Lakers' fake championship. It's a tainted championship, Tim. And don't tell me that it's not anybody out there that's Houston fans. It's a completely and utterly tainted championship. The 2017 team was caught cheating. They did not get penalized. And before you go, Tom, you know, uh, what difference does that make to this team? Well, the next year, we've seen this before, right? In other sports, when when people cheat, what happens? They take away draft picks, right, Tim?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Right? Well, the next year, 2018, who do you think they drafted? How about? The MVP of the World Series, Jeremy Pena, which gave them the levity and and the leverage, I should say, to then go get rid of Carlos Correa, massive upgrade there. So once again, because they were the cheating Astros and got away with it with no punishment, that is why they won the World Series this year until they are finally punished or until there is a complete and utter turnover of this team where nobody on the team cheated, nobody on the team had cheated ties like Jeremy Pena does. Um, then no, they are not a real champion.
1: Well, you know, it's not going to be overturned. That's not happening. And they, they've just complete. the problem is that window you're talking about, the six years, they've added pieces now moving forward. So this is a long, long list for you here. Well, it you know, look, it,
0: it's, a, it's a system where if you would have slapped them on the wrist, Tim, I couldn't have argued this year's championship, right? if you would have given them some sort of garbage penalty, you could have shut people like me up. But to have Major League Baseball admit that they cheated and they then say, but we're not going to do anything. And, and I don't want to hear the what is aboutism and, well, what if, well, you know, other teams cheated in the Red Sox and maybe it was the Yankees and we don't know. No, 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 no. We know for a fact the championship A's team in 2017 was a tainted championship we know that for a fact they were caught they were caught red-handed there's a lot of others that maybe you have caught but no they were caught red-handed and the commissioner decided to look the other way the following year after not giving up any draft picks not taking them away if they were taking up uh, two draft picks no no they did nothing to them they went out and drafted jeremy pena and went on with like business as usual they were then able to save money for carlos correa and able to sign these veterans no 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 no, no tim this is not going away just because, well, look, they won down the road. No, you never got punished. You never did your time. I don't care if you did a little bit of time. No, no, no you never did any time.
1: Well, what about the team then in the series? I know you like the Phillies in the playoffs. They were able to come through two rounds of quote-unquote upsets to get to the World Series, but even with the win- game one win and then a 2-1 series lead in game three after they mashed five home runs and a 7 nothing win, I can't say that I ever felt like they were the better team in this series at all. It just came down to starting pitching, getting to the bullpen, and the Astros just able to get timely hits.
0: When you have a team like Philadelphia, and this is absolutely no slight to the Philadelphia Phillies who had a magical run, right? When you have a team like Philadelphia, every single thing has to go right, and your stars, your studs have to absolutely play like that. They can't have not even one off game. Remember going back to the Yankees that when they played Arizona, right? Everybody looked at that Arizona team and they said, well, they're dangerous because they have Schilling and Johnson. But outside of that, we don't know about the closer. We don't really know about the hitting, right? There were question marks all over the place. But basically it was Schilling and Johnson, well, let's go back to that World Series. They, had, they, they used Schilling and Johnson. I mean, they used them extensively. They used them like we'll never see again in the sport. And they both came through in that manner. In order to Philly to win this series, maybe you didn't need Schilling and Johnson out of Wheeler and Nola, but you needed something close, right? I mean, you needed pretty straight perfection out of Wheeler and Nola, and they just didn't get it. I'm not telling you that either one of those guys pitched poorly, but they had to pitch extraordinarily good. This was a fun team. It was a nice team. It was a team that just went up against a juggernaut, and when your stars don't perform over the top, well, that's what happens. Look, Bryce Harper had probably the best postseason of anybody, including Payney, including Alvarez. Everybody, he probably had the best postseason of anybody. What do you do tonight? Oh, for four, right, Tim? Mm-hmm. Can't go all for four in an exit game. I'm not blaming Bryce Harper, but if you want to win and you're the underdog, like Philly was, they were plus 170 to win the series before the you know the series began. They were two to one odds on the Astros. If you're that big of an underdog, your stars have got to step up into just extraordinary lengths. They can't even be. What they normally are, they got to be better than that. And Wheeler, Nola, and Harper, none of them did it.
1: Yeah, when the series started, both able to kind of reset, rest, rotations were set up, and game one, Wheeler gave up a three spot in the first inning, and then two in the second. He got bombed right away. They were able to come back and win that game, which put them in the proverbial driver's seat and the fact that you had Aaron Ola in game two. well, He pitched great until the fifth inning, and then he got just absolutely shattered. They lose that game. Game three, Suarez ended up being the better, best pitcher of the whole series, right, Tommy? He came out, did his job. They win that game. Game four, you can't blame Thor at all. He pitched well. You and I talked about that via the text. He, he did what they had to do to win. They just didn't win the game. But it's still set up, Tom, that even though you're down at that point, you still have the two horses coming. And again, Nola had a bad inning. They lost the game. And tonight, Wheeler, they stretched him. He left a couple guys on in the six. And, I mean, you know you know what happened then. Or Alvarez hit a moonshot. And that that's it. The series is over. So you said it best. Harper did what he did. And, yeah, he, he was terrible tonight. But he did what he did throughout the playoffs and in this series. Those two guys that we looked at as being the, the keys to the series for Philadelphia, they just didn't perform.
0: No, and I... – Again, they didn't pitch poorly, Tim. But and I know we live in a new generation and all that. But if I told you that your team strength was what your number one and two pitcher, and in an exit game six, he couldn't get through the sixth, you're gonna go, ah, eh, probably gonna lose that game, right? I, I, I'm not blaming Wheeler, but again, Wheeler had to be almost lights out today. He was taken out. Next pitch, lefty matchup. Alvarez takes him deep. Yeah, that's it. Series over. Game over. If Wheeler would have given that up. All right. Well, same result. Doesn't really matter. I'm not questioning Thompson, who a lot of people are today. I'm just explaining that if you are you're, you're a team built with a one-two, and that's what you got, right? That that's all you have. That I mean, they have very little behind them. If you are built for with a one-two, then those one-two have to perform like one-one.
1: Zach Wheeler, zero and two over five in the World Series for <clears throat> Philadelphia. And uh, Aaron Nola, of course, lost Tuesday night, or Wednesday, what was it Thursday night, excuse me, ERA over eight in the World Series as well. And that's it. And when you have, and it wasn't even, the thing was, it was uh, for me and you, and we talked about this throughout the season heading into the playoffs, is that who who's on the side of the, the staff for Houston? Well, it, when it came down to it, it was Valdez and Javier. Those were the guys verlander lit up in the playoffs he pitched a little bit better in his start in the world series but those two guys carried them but what we saw with the exception of the mccullers game tom was once they got into the sixth and seventh it's it's like being dominant teams in the past that bullpen they just it was lights out for 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 philadelphia at that point
0: yeah and i, I do think that there was an intimidation factor as well look i I'm a Yankee fan. I felt it with the Yankees with Houston, right? I mean, you get down 2 nothing, and you're going into that bullpen. You go, all right, game's over. Uh, look, mm-hmm. I, the, the New York Yankees had it for years. Stanton, you know, setting up uh, – Stanton and Nelson setting up Rivera and then, you know, th- th- that bullpen leading up. The Yankees had it for years, and now the Yankees are facing it. When you go down two runs going into the sixth or seventh inning and you're going, yeah, we're not winning this game. Was there anybody – Tim, was there anybody – Anybody, even in Philadelphia, that believed once that Houston took a 4-1 lead and there was three innings left. 4-1 lead, three innings left, him. Did anybody believe that Philadelphia had even a prayer? No. Series was over, right? God, yeah. The minute Alvarez hit that, series was over. It was it was a third of a game left. Didn't mm-hmm. matter. They weren't coming back. from it.
1: I think that's a, that was a theme in this series, though, the last few games. Even in game uh, number five. That catch by McCormick in center field that deflated him, right? Now, granted, it was there would have been still two outs, but I'm just saying something like that. I, I just saw the air out of the bubble at that point, even though Harper got on uh, with what was he hit? Got on. I just saw the deflation there in game uh, four. That big inning they when they got no hit, game continued to go on, right, Tom? It was just see the dejection there, and that's it. The, the last games, that's the series right there.
0: That that was it. I mean, and and that's again, that's the thing. If you are an upstart, and I, I don't mean that in a negative way, Philadelphia fans. If you're an upstart. Everything has to fall right for you. Mm-hmm. You know, if that ball bangs off the wall, there's no guarantee they win. But Tim, you felt the emotions. probably win that game. You know, um, and, and and that deflates you. It deflates you as a team. It just def- it takes, like you said, the
1: wind out of your sails. That ball bangs off the wall. You're pitching to Harper differently. Uh, not saying he they pitched to him, but maybe he gets on now you got two on, right? puts Castellanos in a different situation. Yeah, you're right. A lot of things could happen. They win that game and all of a sudden they're up three two going back to Houston with a, not saying necessarily game in hand that they can uh just mess off, but it's a different mindset when you come in and today. They even with the lead, Tom, even when they took the lead on the home run, they just seem tight, right? Isn't that just a better way to describe it? They just seem like a tight team that was waiting for a collapse and you got it. Yeah. You know? And that's
0: it. I mean, we've all played sports <laughs> before. I don't care if you played in high school or whatever. And even if you didn't play sports, if you're a video game guy, if you're whatever it is in life and you have that moment where you're going, okay, look, you know, this guy's better than me or the skill set's better than me or whatever it might be. But I think I could still win. Right. And you have it in your head. I, I, I think I could win this. The moment that starts to go south, that's when you start doubting. And you said it. I mean, that you could feel the doubt in their, uh, their, their their minds. You could feel that. It's almost, since we are talking about the NFL tonight, it's almost like when Brady gets the ball with two minutes to go. You have the lead. You, your team is leading. You see Brady with the ball two minutes to go, you go, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, we're going to lose this game. I mean, it's just – a natural reaction when you realize the person that you're up against is just a, a better whatever it might be at that point, right? Um, Michael Jordan has the ball. You, you're you're up by one. Michael Jordan has the ball. Ten seconds to go. How do you feel about that game, Tim? Your team's up by one. You know, Jordan's got the ball. You're probably gonna lose. I mean, that was the the theory at least behind you know why Philadelphia was depressed because they 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 had it chance, they had a shot, and then they just got deflated and defeated. I mean, this is a team that, it's not a real no-hitter, but they were no-hit during the World Series. You don't think that that takes the steam out of you? I mean, come on. That's got to be an emotional tug as well.
1: Houston wins it. They're the champs. Not for Tommy, but they're the champs on the, in the in the record books. And now, Tom, we have a little over 90 days. We're going to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Start it
0: up again, yeah. And I got some World Series odds if you want them here, Tim. Sure. All right. I'm not going to go through all of them, but I got the I got the the top ones. Dodgers are five to one. Astros are six to one. Braves come in at seven to one. Blue Jays nine to one. Yankees nine to one. Mets eleven to one. Philly thirteen to one. Padres fourteen to one. White Sox fourteen to one. Cardinals seventeen to one. Mariners twenty to one. Brewers twenty to one. Rays twenty two to one, and the Red Sox twenty five to one.
1: Hmm. A lot has to do with what happens in the off season too, Tom. So anything you I mean the
0: Mariners about? at 20 to 1 jump off the table if they do anything. They got they got to get a bat though. I mean, they got to get a bat for me. Um and the Mets, the Mets at 11 to 1 just because I look at the Mets and I go, is this when they just go crazy spending? You know, do they go nuts and just go absolutely crazy spending? I don't know. Because they could lose DeGrom, right? I mean, we know that. I'm not sure. I don't see a, a real value here on anybody. We don't know if Judge is going to be back with the Yankees. The Blue Jays, you know, they got all kinds of holes. The Braves do make sense, but that starting rotation has got to be revamped. I don't know about the Astros. It's hard to go back-to-back. The Dodgers might lose Kershaw. They might lose Trey Turner. Can't bet on the Dodgers at 5-1, to one, not at these odds. Philly, you want to think about them. Well, Wheeler's another year older, and their bullpen's still kind of a mess. There's nobody that jumps off the table here. Mariners look like decent value, and maybe the Mets. If you believe the Mets are going to spend like drunken sailors, right? I mean, spend like like billions. And when I say that, I mean the TV show. If you believe that David, uh, you know, or uh, uh, Axe, you know, Axe Cap is going to come in, in in Uncle Stevie and spend, maybe the Mets at 11 to 1 isn't bad. But to me, the Mets are always going to be the Mets, and the Mets always
1: met. Do you have them on my, my birds and my angels?
0: No. Anybody else is past 25 to one, uh, Baltimore, 40 to one mm-hmm. angels, 50 to one.
1: Wow. wow. I think Baltimore was like 250 to one to be in the season this year. So
0: it, it'll get up there. This is like just now. I bet you Baltimore goes off at like a hundred to one. Yeah. Yeah. That-
1: I got an extra ten bucks laying around, Tom. Yeah, why not, right? <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll, you know, like like you said, it's a big off season. Obviously, Aaron Judge will dominate that that uh, portion of it until he signs wherever he signs. And I saw Aaron, uh, Cashman, your buddy Cashman, today. Basically, his quote was, "We'll see how this plays out." Like, what kind of quote is that? We'll see how this plays out. How about we're gonna do everything we can to sign him? Tim, if you were bad at your job for like a decade and a half <laughs> and you knew you were never
0: going anywhere, you knew that you could never get fired no matter how bad you are. You barely showed up to work. You make messes everywhere. You kind of just spilled things. You're, you're a complete disaster. The company's going under and they just keep giving you raises. Tim, would you give more of a quote? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, We'll see. I'm terrible should, at my job, but I'm not going
1: anywhere, so it's fine. What he should be saying is it doesn't matter what I think anyways, right?
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. The it doesn't, doesn't really
0: me. matter. We're, we're going to go to the computer. We're going to go to Hal, the computer, and the analytics and find out what they think.
1: Tom, look at these Just quick list of the free agents in the off season. Carlos Correa. They have Trevor Bauer on the list. I don't even know if he's eligible to pitch, but he's there. You said the Grom. Uh, Verlander's on the list, but I believe there's an option there. Rodon. Giants. Trey Turner. Thor. Bogarts, I want to say he's under a type of an option deal, too.
0: Judge, They're not going to resign him. Bogarts is going to be out there.
1: Uh, your buddy Kershaw is an a unrestricted free agent. Those are just some of the bigger names I, I noticed on the list. Yeah,
0: I think Kershaw's got two landing spots. It's either the Dodgers or Texas pays him like crazy to come home. You know, I mean that makes sense. What about what about Otani?
1: Where well, not. Otani
0: wind up? And, and what kind of sat? What kind of number are we looking at with Otani?
1: What What is? What is What is the number for Judge? Fifty? <sighs> forty?
0: It's gonna be It's gonna be forty plus. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So Otani is free agent after next season. They'll pay him more than Judge, so or whoever will pay him more than Judge. So we, we could base it off that, I, I think. What is Trout? He's a free agent after next season, Tim. But would it shock you if they traded him now?
0: I keep hearing the oh, Mets yeah. are big time, big time, big time invested in Tim. and and you know Steve Cohen, the Mets owner, not only wants to make a trade for him, but wants to sign him to a long term deal to be the highest paid player in baseball. We're talking five six hundred million dollar deal. I, I, I mean. It's just mind-boggling if the Mets go out there and make a move like that. Sure. I'm asking you, you know, from an angel's perspective, what's a number that's going to keep him away from, you know, Steve Cohen blowing him out of the water?
1: Which trout do you know offhand? I don't. 500? 400, yeah. right? 400, yeah. 40, right? Yeah. 10, My trout's 40?
0: annual salary is 37.12. Yeah.
1: So I would say it'd have to be at least 40.
0: He got and, twelve years, four twenty-six
1: and change. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it would be similar. It'd be right up there. That that would be the way to do it. I you know, the thing is, and I agree. If if you have no no plans on on paying that, now's the time to do it and get whatever you can fleece from whoever. It's, it would have Listen, to be a total. What's the
0: Rendon twenty five mil?
1: <laughs> well, he'll be back next year, Tom. So you know. Oh, great. The thing, the problem is to. I don't know logistically with Artie Moreno trying to sell the team, how that factors into whether they can move him or not or a pr- prospective buyer coming in wants to absorb that kind of money. So there's a lot of question marks there. But I would say if you took all that off the table and you wanted a number, it would have to be at least 40, and it will probably end up being more if he stays in Anaheim.
0: $45 million to a guy that will not be pitching in two years.
1: I don't know. Well, I, I can't putting, sit well with that. What did uh, what did Papa Steinbrenner say, Tom? It's all about putting butts in the seats, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. He he. he listen, if Papa Steinbrenner was here, judge would have already signed that contract. Uh, yeah, they would have. They would have had him. They would have had Verlander when. Remember, instead of Verlander, you know Brian Cashman passed on him. He was over the hill. Uh, don't forget that nonsense, right? Verlander wanted to come to the Yankees, passed on him. I mean, uh, Freddie Freeman, you know, there was an idea about Freddie Freeman a couple of years ago. It passed on him. Trey Turner. Yep, yep. Man, man. You don't need that kind of quality guy. Passed on him. Max Scherzer. Passed on him. I go down the list of guys that, you know, Brian Cashman said, how about how about Bryce Harper? Life, lifelong Yankee fan. His dad said flat out wants to be a Yankee. We'll give the Yankees a discount. The Yankees didn't even come to the table. Of Scott Boris, and Boris was kept saying, waiting for the Yankees, and the Yankees never came. How many more people can we have, have Cashman screw up
1: here? I think both of them. In that, that was the year you did the from Vegas, you went to the meetings. I think Machado could have been yours too if you wanted him. Yeah, well, the thing about Machado, and I, I did an interview um, about,
0: you know, guys that wrote the book with this, and and you can find this all at Sports Garden Network. We did a great, great, great in-depth interview. They followed around the team that year, you know, and um, the thing about Machado is all that the Yankees kept hearing was he's a bad teammate, bad team leader, uh, lackadaisical, a lot of Robinson canoeing him, uh, you know, the jogging to the bases, uh, a lot of making believe that the injuries are a lot worse than they were. That's why they didn't get Machado. Now, look, we saw a lot of that early on. He grew out of it, right? I think that this year he kind of grew out of, out of it. But I don't blame them for Machado because those reports that came in, we saw immediately when he went to L.A. and then when he <laughs> went to San Diego, right? I mean, we saw that jogging to first base, being on the DL, be, getting in fights with teammates. We saw that. Now, he's grown up um, and maybe you could have speculated that he would grow up. But I, I don't get down on them for that. I get down on them for the Harper thing. You know, basically – the New York Yankees, basically, if you really want to break it down, decided to make a trade for Giancarlo Stanton instead of making a signing for Bryce Harper, who wanted to come there.
1: Yeah, and you would have had Harper and, and uh, Judge in the middle of the lineup.
0: Harper, Judge in the middle, lefty bat in Yankee Stadium like that. What is the one thing the New York Yankees have been looking and dying to get for the last three years? You know, lefty bat. Right? They just couldn't couldn't figure out going out and getting a lefty bat. Harper would have been there. Harper would have been just mashing 50-plus home runs every year with that short porch.
1: And I know how you value prospects, and I know um, some of the trades. We, we even talk about this year because what could have been done to help the Yankees, and I know it doesn't matter at this point, but if if George was still around, is Louis Castillo and Juan Soto wearing Yankee jerseys? <sighs>
0: Yeah, I mean, the Castillo deal was crazy. But, yeah, I mean, if George was here, we wouldn't have a farm system. (laughs) (laughs) Thick Michael made the farm system. If George was here, there'd be nobody. Forget about the Jabba Chamberlain and and Phil Hughes resurgence. Remember that nonsense? Yeah, Yeah. no, there wouldn't have been any of that. He would have traded everybody. So, yes, um, the Luis Castillo deal was was mind-boggling from a minor league standpoint. So, I don't know if anybody could have paid more than them, but – There's no way that Kiner Falefa would have been playing shortstop in meaningful games. As much as I like him, there's no way that Cabrera would have been playing in the middle of the the batting order, and Josh Donaldson batting fourth and fifth in the playoffs. Absolutely not. Yank them all. Goodbye. You didn't work out. You're gone. This is a team that believes that just getting to the playoffs is a really good accomplishment. They don't understand what the pinstripes mean because Hal is not a baseball fan. Hal is a an owner.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, well, we'll keep you up to date on all the the major off season moves in Major League Baseball. But literally, November the fifth, Tom. bring pitchers and catchers report, end of February. So we're just we're almost there. It's crazy. Well, me and you are in a
0: baseball league, and um, yeah, you know, I got you involved in, in this baseball league, and it's a crazy dynasty league. We don't have an off season. and it's funny because you know I got two texts again today from people making trade offers, asking me about the minors. Have I done my minor league research yet? What about you know? I it, it and I'm going, guys. We have a lot of time, and then I go, no, actually, <laughs> actually, we don't have a lot of time. No, no, uh, baseball will be here, yeah, in ninety days. In one season, really, right? Get through winter, and, and that's it.
1: Heatwave Sports, Tim be Tom Barton. Time for our first break. When we come back, we'll look at some college football, big day. Number one done, number three is done, and another guy's done done. We'll talk about him on the other side of the timeout. It's Heatwave Sports here on Fox Sports Radio. <laughs> We'll talk a little college football here on Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. Get you ready for Week Nine in the NFL in our number two. And Tom, just to uh, for the guy for the for the ones listening that have parlay still out there. Let me run through a couple scores of games still in action. Number nine, U.S. touchdown over Cal with about eight minutes to go in, in the fourth. That's over. Uh, Pac-12 action. Also UCLA 12 in the country. They are up 17 over Arizona State at the beginning of the fourth. Mountain West, San Jose State 21-10 over Colorado State. Six minutes to go in that one. Also Mountain West, Fresno State, UNLV's next opponent 55-7. They lead Hawaii at home with about three and a half to go in that one. So since I brought it up, let's bring it up. Fresno State, Tom, the next opponent for UNLV, which lost today, fourteen to ten at San Diego State. They've now lost four in a row, so a four and one start has come back down to earth. Four and five now are the Rebels.
0: Yeah, look, uh, this is exactly how we explained it before the year. I gave my my TED talk kind of Tim, right? I said, look, don't get too high and don't get too low because you're going to have that this year, Rebel fans. I said, do not sit back here after September ends and tell me that this team is going to go out there. They're going to, you know, win eight, seven, eight, nine games. Oh, my goodness. And and when you go into a losing streak and you're a tailspin and you don't win in a month or so, don't sit back and tell me, you know, this is the worst team ever. Well, we've seen both of them, right? I remember after that New Mexico game uh, that weekend, uh, we I got somebody wrote me over at Tom Barton Sports over on Twitter and they said, you yeah, know, this is an eight-win season. This is going to be an eight-win season. And I go, oh, boy. Oh, boy. I came out here. We talked about it on the air. I said, here we go, Tim. You know, here we go. These guys are talking about an eight-win season. Well, they haven't won a game since, okay? Uh, they've given up 40, 42, and 44 in three of those four games. They've scored 10 or less in three of those four games. Uh, their best offensive showing was against Notre Dame, who put up 44. I mean, it, it's been ugly. It's It's been flat out ugly and they're losing ugly in the third quarter. uh, Look, they had 200 yards of offense and bad turnovers. It has been ugly. That doesn't mean throw in the season. It doesn't mean it's a bad season. This is going almost entirely to the plan that I thought that it would go, which is you're going to have a good start. You're going to have a miserable middle and it's all about the last three games. And here we are, Tim, we have the last three games. Fresno State at Hawaii, Nevada. Uh, they, if they win against Fresno State, we can talk about big things this year. Because if they win against Fresno State, Tim, you know, you're looking at a five and five record. You got to kind of win one of the next two to really have a very successful season. But Fresno State, it's a tough ask, right? Right now, this offense is completely disjointed. Like I said, they put up twenty one against Notre Dame, uh, but Notre Dame put up forty four, and they didn't really care there. Other than that, 10-7-7. I mean, what are we doing? It's been a month since the offense has done anything. And Fresno State may not be the team that everybody's looking at at that, well, you know what, Fresno State is Fresno State. Yeah. But look at the schedule. They've lost four games. Their losses were at USC, at UConn. I know UConn's not good, but again, long travel. That's a tough game. At Boise State, again, on the road. And a three-point loss to Oregon State, who's actually a pretty decent team. Their defense has stepped up now. Their defenses look good. They're absolutely crushing Hawaii again. So that'll be, if the score stays, it'll be three of the last four teams don't score more than 10 points. Did I just say that about UNLV? (laughs) Sorry, guys. I just don't think, even at home, I don't think UNLV will have the the horses to be able to put up the offense to beat Fresno State. And I don't think Fresno State is a very good team, but they're better than UNLV. And that right there is going to be the difference.
1: It was almost the reverse of UNLV's schedule that Fresno started out with a tougher front half. Now they're in the middle part, and they beat San Jose State, which is a decent team. That was a big win for them, and it catapulted in winning streak, right? They crushed New Mexico. They, they uh, beat New- San Diego State, and now they're beating up on Hawaii. So you're right. This is a this is a good swing game because I'll tell you what. We, we had talked about this, too, when we kind of broke down the, the start it's fine to say, uh, look, we're not going to beat these teams because, look, they're just better than us, right? And, you know, we found themselves in that, that that aspect of the schedule. The problem is with losing consistently, like this franchise, or excuse me, college has done year after year after year, and you go on long losing streaks, Tom, the morale just is, is completely shot at that point. So another loss next week on your home field, and you drop to four and six, losing five in a row. Those last two games against uh nevada and hawaii they don't become gimmies at that point we've we've seen that happen year after year
0: look i think going to the island is is tough Hawaii's look they're getting blasted tonight right uh it (laughs) happens you know i didn't expect Mm -hmm. it but this is also a team that look they they've been hanging in there right tim i mean they've been hanging in there um San Diego State, they lost by two on the road. They lost by two, uh, by four against Colorado State, lost by seven against Wyoming. They were hanging in there. They're not a great team by any stretch of the imagination. Okay. Uh, but I think we're overshooting how bad they are. They've won two of the last three home games, and a seven point loss to Wyoming is not that bad. I'm not telling you that UNLV can't win that game, and they, they should be the favorites in that game. But Hawaii is no pushover on the island, especially if they're coming off of five losing. Look, it, if, UNLV loses, it's going to be like a month and a half since they've won a game. And then you've got Nevada. You almost throw away the records with Nevada. I, I look at them and I go, they're a bad team. You know, you lose to Incarnate Word, it, you give up 55 in that game. That's bad. But they've been much better since. Again, hung in there with San Diego State, lost by seven at San Jose State. Uh, yeah, this is not a team that you want to face when you're potentially losing five games in a row, six games in a row. I think, look, I just told you, I think that they lose to Fresno state. I think they win against Hawaii, even though that's going to be a very, very, very tight game. I think they lose against Fresno state. They win against Hawaii. They're sitting there with a, with a five win season staring at Nevada. And I, I think that you got to go and you got to win that game at home against Nevada to, to have a good season right now. The standard is is different. I said before the year, I said five wins. If everything breaks right six, things go wrong, they could win a three, they could be a three-win team. Well, we're sitting at, you know, right there. We're at four wins. I think they get one more, and they very well could get two more.
1: Yeah, we'll see. Fresno here, Allegiant stadium. Rebels four and five, four-game losing streak right now. What about What's the t-
0: what are you making that line, Tim? I don't have it in front of me. What are you going to make that line on the Fresno State game?
1: Wow. Uh, what do you think, Fresno? Seven and a road half road Yeah, I was going to say Fresno road favorite six six and a half. Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. Right about touchdown. Let, let's let's talk Hawaii. Let's assume that UNLV loses against Fresno, right? Uh, Hawaii gets blasted tonight. What's the what's the line in Hawaii? be favored on the road.
1: Yeah, but and it might be a spot too that if we can get a good number, that you bet the rebels in that game, even though they're to be on five game losing streak. I don't. I I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's hard UNLB because LB Hawaii
0: four. Maybe.
1: Yeah, I think it would be close.
0: Okay, and then and then you go into Nevada. So let's say they lose Fresno State, beat Hawaii. Now you gotta go into Nevada. They're gonna be favored there, so they'll be favored in two of the last three games, too.
1: Favored as a team with a record under five hundred. Yep. Yeah. Makes sense, right? Good,
0: good, good, good <laughs> end of the schedule. But again, that is if you believe that this head coach can get them to understand how to win again. They haven't won a game since September thirtieth. Yo, know, they're going into. They'll go into that Hawaii game. Not winning a game in like two months, <laughs> you know what I mean? We're we're gonna go into that. You're gonna go into that game, not winning a game in fifty days. Fifty days. It's hard to convince your team that yes, you can you can still win.
1: And I can't even speak motivationally because, look, I don't know Arroyo like that. And if I'm a what Tom, eighteen to twenty two year old kid, we just lost to Fresno. We're now we're going to Hawaii? Come on, man. I'm not really necessarily thinking about winning that game. It's not the uh, utmost importance in my mind. Am I right? Yeah. And Hawaii, <laughs> uh,
0: very prideful uh, at home. Very <clears throat> uh, very much has pride on that team. The the athletes on that team being at home, probably there. Is that, is that their last home game, Tim? That might be their last home game. I mean, a lot of setting up anti-Rebels. And, yeah, that'll be their last home game because they got San Jose State left. Uh, so I don't I don't know. I think that Hawaii game. I said this in the beginning of the year. I think that Hawaii game is going to be real tricky for them. You know, you win, you haven't won a game in 50 days. You can't score. Things are going bad. You look terrible. Go uh, go take a long trip to Hawaii. Hey, the kids get to hang out in Hawaii, right? Oh, that's cool. The Hawaiian kids last time at home, very prideful nation, very prideful, uh, you know, that Hawaiian nation they call it out there. Ooh, Tim, I don't know. I don't know. That's a tricky spot for UNLV.
1: Yeah. And you think as bad as Nevada is that you can't even say that's a walkover? It's a, it's a, re- it's a rivalry game. There's more to it than records at some times.
0: And Nevada has looked better as the year gone on. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that they that they should be favored or they will, um, but they've looked better. Would it shock you right now if UNLV won all three games? <clears throat>
1: It would be more of a shock that they, yeah, yeah, it would.
0: Would, would it shock you if they lost all three?
1: No, no, me and, and that's just because I've seen this happen, and it—I'm not even blaming a royal, I've seen it happen in previous regimes. It, it, there's just a—the a, uh, culture says it all, Tommy. It's not a a winning football university. Let's put it that way. Until they do, you can't really knock that stigma out. Tim, let's, uh, let's flip it over
0: to a very winning football university. Alabama goes down. Clemson goes down. Mm-hmm. And I think we can effectively write both of them right
1: out of the college football playoff. Well, I told you. I was like, man, we can officially say Alabama won't be in the playoffs, right? There's no way they're going to put them in with two losses, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so we think, right? right. But no, I, I don't think so because they're not even going to play – uh, well, well, we've seen that happen, too. But they, they won't even um, win their division. Right. You know, It doesn't look likely that they'll win their division. So, now I think that this effectively writes Saban and Dabo out of the college football playoff, which now opens up the door. It creaks open the door for a team like TCU that's probably in. It creaks open the door for Michigan and Ohio State. Not one of them to get in, but both of them to get in, right? If you're a one-loss team and your only losses to, you know, each other, maybe they creak in. Well, look at Tennessee. How do you leave Tennessee out, Tim? I mean, look, I know they got slaughtered by Georgia today, uh, but if you're looking for one-loss teams, maybe that's the team. What about Oregon, right? If Oregon wins the Pac-12, they got to be considered. So all of a sudden, the door opens up pretty wide after Georgia. I think it's wide open for anybody to kick that door in.
1: You got, look, Ohio State got to assume. you know, with the way the SEC is, it used to favor them that they would take up two of the four spots because they were just so up front with the, the two top teams. I don't know if it plays its way out now because, Tom, if Georgia runs through, obviously they're in. Ohio State or Michigan. Would be the would be uh, a representative. Oregon, I think. Here's the thing with the Pac-12 and the West Coast. If Oregon goes through this schedule undefeated, Tom, Pac-12 schedule, they're gonna have one loss on the year. You got to kind of put them there. And TCU, the same thing. So, is there room for that second SEC?
0: Well, I think right now, I, I mean, that is the four. That's what we should wake up tomorrow to being the four. But if TCU stumbles. Right. Or if or uh, then again, look, if here's the thing, uh, you know how much I hate the uh, the SEC, right? I can't stand it. But Tim, if you're comparing losses, Oregon's loss to Georgia or Tennessee's loss to Georgia, Tennessee lost by a, a shorter margin. If Tennessee goes on and they win the SEC championship. Right. Which is very possible um, or, or and, and, you know, moves on in there. Georgia's got a one loss, too. They'll put both of them in again. I mean, there's a very likely scenario that Tennessee did not lose their spot this year uh, with today's loss. I do think that it helps teams out, though. Um, I think Tennessee would have to beat Georgia or, or, well, beat everybody to win the SEC championship, and I don't think they could do that. So that, like you said, that leaves TCU. Do we really believe that TCU is going to go undefeated? Mm, I'm not sure. We really, really believe that Oregon is still going to go undefeated. I mean, they still going to have to going to have to go against uh, you know some some quality Pac-12 teams here, which then to me opens up the door for the Michigan Ohio State loser, and that is is really what I don't think people are are really taking into focus that we're all concentrating on. You know, uh, let, let's let's look at well, you know, uh, the SEC could get two, and we don't know what's going to happen there. Oh, we're not sure. Well. Hold on a second, Tim, because Ohio State and Michigan are going to meet on November 26th. If that's a close, tight game and there's a one-loss team coming out of, of all of this, it might be from the Big Ten. I mean, it might be.
1: Oregon has to play Washington, Utah, and Oregon State still. I think Utah's yeah. the better team. Yeah. I think and Washington then the Pac-12 championship team, Tim, and they're going to have yeah, to do then, it again. Right. So their roadblocks definitely set up for them. If if Ohio State or slash Michigan, the only loss is to one of each other. Whoever wins and loses, what right do they have a advantage? Would you say over that second uh, SEC team? What if what if Tennessee loses another game? Who do you put there? Oh well, yeah.
0: yeah, I, I mean I, yeah, they're not going to put in. I think. Uh, and I should bite my tongue because I say this every year and then the SEC bias comes in, but I think we are safe this year, Tim, from a two-loss team making the championship game. I don't think we're going to see a two-loss team, no matter what conference it comes from. I don't think so. I think there's too many quality teams with no losses or one loss. So yeah. I, I think, yeah, if Tennessee loses another game, they're out. Um, I, I think Clemson is – not only Clemson, I think pretty much the entire ACC is effectively eliminated. Now, you could argue maybe – Maybe a Wake Forest, but I don't think so. You could argue in North Carolina. I don't think so. I think the ACC is generally eliminated. So this is, can Oregon continue to keep steam rolling on? If they do, they'll be in it. I don't think they do. I think Utah's a better team than they got to play in the Pac-12 championship game. And can TCU continue? Well, TCU's got a pretty rough road ahead as well. Um, I know they got Texas. They got Iowa State. TCU probably won't end off and win the next three games either. Not in my opinion. So... For me, it's going to be Georgia, the winner of Ohio State, Michigan, and then who? And the again, then who might be the loser of Ohio State, Michigan, and maybe you sneak in a team like a Tennessee, and we could have we could have a very likely scenario where the final four teams are two SEC teams, two Big Ten teams.
1: TCU plays at Texas, at Baylor, Iowa State at home. That's the next three weeks. Yes. That's a tough road to hoe, Tom. Two back-to-back road games um, against winning teams. And then Iowa State. It wouldn't even matter if they lose one of the games before that. It's, they're out.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. There's no... Outside of Michigan and Ohio State, and obviously Georgia, there's three teams in the country right now um, that can lose a game. Nobody else can. Nobody. TCU can't lose a game. Oregon can't lose another game. You know, it, it doesn't matter. No, there's three teams in the country right now that can lose a game and still be considered Michigan, Ohio State, and maybe Georgia. And no way Clemson sneaks back in? No, I don't think so. Um, no, I, not with this kind of beatdown, Tim. You know, I. Ah, I I don't know. It's fresh in my mind, and maybe that's kind of why I'm looking at it so just so awful. But you look at Clemson and where is their, their quality win here? You know, Wake Forest in two overtimes, all right. I don't believe in NC State. Are we really believing in Syracuse? You know, no, I, I don't I, I don't think so. May, maybe. Maybe if they go on Here's how they can, I guess they could win. They could get back into this thing. We'll say if Wake Forest and North Carolina State just keep winning and racking up wins, right? Um, you know, you look at NC State; they're seven and two. Uh, you, you know, you you get them to continue to keep winning. That'll boost the ACC. You know, that'll give a a good boost to what they are. Wake Forest is sitting here. You know, they got that two overtime loss to Clemson. Um, they're six and three. But they've lost two games in a row. It's hard to count on them. I think that they what what really what Clemson needs is the Tar Heels to just keep rolling. Uh, they don't face them, so the Tar Heels right now they won again today. Uh, they're eight and one. They have one loss. It was to Notre Dame, same team that Clemson lost to, right? So they're eight and one. They have at number twenty one Wake Forest next week, and they still have Georgia Tech, and then at twenty two. North Carolina State. They have two ranked teams. The Tar Heels are ranked 17th coming into this game. They should be ranked in the top 15. Tim, it's very possible North Carolina could get inside the top 10. And then if Clemson, you know, is in the same conference with another top 10 team, uh, all right, you know, you could start to kind of push the envelope on Clemson. You made me think there, Tim. You you could do that. Because you got to remember, there's a chance that you're going to have a uh, like an eleven and one, a one-loss North Carolina team against a one-loss Clemson team for the ACC championship, both losing to Notre Dame. I guess we shouldn't write off the Tar Heels to make it in either. Now that I'm, I'm kind of walking my way through this thing.
1: Let me give you the backdoor Tennessee way in, courtesy of Alabama. So they're eight and one now after the loss to Georgia. They play Missouri. At South Carolina, at Vanderbilt, they should win those three games. You would assume. Yeah. makes them eleven and one. They won't play in the SEC title game because Georgia wins the division. Right. Georgia beats either LSU or Ole Miss in that title game. Georgia's in. Tennessee sits there at eleven and one with a backdoor way into the as the fourth seed because obviously you wouldn't put LSU or Ole Miss in with two or three losses so they could yeah. Alabama their way in.
0: I'll tell you what, Ole Miss has a chance here too, Tim. Ole Miss is, has one loss on the year, right? They have Texas or they beat Texas AM. They got Alabama next week, which will will really boost them up if they can win that one. At Arkansas the Mississippi State, then they'll be playing Georgia in the championship. You got you got to say Ole Miss has got still got a shan, chance at this in here.
1: Yeah, I just think that like Tennessee sits there with a favorable schedule and they don't have to play that extra title game, so it's they're just there with one loss.
0: Right, you right. Know. No, I agree. That's why I said I don't think that I don't think losing today crushed them like we think it did. Yeah. really don't. I think Tennessee is still in play. Right now, ten- I, I mean, let, let, let's let, let's count the teams here. Tim, Ole Miss has a chance. Georgia has a ten- chance. Tennessee has a chance from the SEC. Oregon still has a chance. We'll say that's four um are we believing that USC or UCLA still have a chance Tim seven and one
1: well they play each other right so yeah
0: okay so we'll put we'll yeah. put them in so that's six teams overall in the country that still have a chance uh we're not doing the Liberty Flames right okay no. uh, <laughs> TCU, uh Michigan, Ohio State? yeah yeah Michigan. uh that's eight TCU is nine and then you got the two ACC teams I think that yeah. there is a legitimate 11 teams that could be in the final four. I'm not talking about championship guys. It's 11 teams could be in the final four. But it's most a likely, exciting all of a sudden we get rid of Alabama.
1: <laughs> but most likely, Georgia, Tennessee, Michigan, Ohio State is that what we're saying? Yes, yeah. It's always fun to see they can sneak. And be that that uh the ugly thorn NCAA doesn't want to see in there. Maybe, maybe we can get that again this year.
0: Yeah, let's. I would love it if no SEC teams were in, but that's not going to happen.
1: Actually, if you think about it, even if Oregon or TCU were able to make it in there, I, I don't think the the NCAA is upset by that, Tom. You know, you're talking about name programs with big time backing so it works out in their favor this year i think
0: i mean i think what they're yeah i think what they're hoping is that you get georgia ohio state yeah maybe maybe uh, you they probably want usc i mean georgia Mm -hmm. ohio state usc and uh you know clemson climbs back into this thing and they're going to be loving them they're going to be going crazy
1: Oh, I think if you get Ohio State and Michigan both in there, they're okay with that too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. They want they want a final. Somehow give, give them a final where it's Ohio State against Michigan.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Give them a championship game. We'll all be upset. but <laughs> Give them a championship game.
1: We'll be upset, but they'll be loving it, and the ratings will be out sky high. So That's yeah, exactly, exactly what they want.
0: Greatest rivalry in sports. Not even close.
1: (laughs) Well, that's your football peak. Tomorrow night, we'll talk a little NCAA basketball. Tom, uh, real quick. Usually, you know, you you ease your way into the beginning of the season. Do you see how many games there are Monday? Unbelievable. I am pumped. Uh, Tim, I I was going to go. It's funny. I was
0: going to go to Atlantic City this week, and I I was going to leave today. And they have a a big military thing, so I, I couldn't get my free room. And, yeah. I'm a guy that wants my free rooms, right? Uh, I don't want to pay $300 a night. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I may leave tomorrow. I don't really love the 4 o'clock games. I never, ever, 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 ever miss football games. But there's only three 4 o'clock games, well, uh, you know, New York time, uh, afternoon games. It takes me about three hours to get there. I could leave after the the early games, get there by the late game, and then be there for Monday and all of those college basketball games. I'm thinking about it.
1: Hour 2 on the way when we come back. Week 9 of the NFL. We're going to break it down for you. It's HeatWave Sports here on Fox Sports Radio.
0: Are you ready?
1: Now back to HeatWave Sports. Time to look at Week 9 of the NFL. HeatWave Sports. Fox Sports Radio. Just a quick reminder: we are Saturday night for Vegas hockey, but we return Sunday, so we'll be able to wrap up Week Ten of the NFL. And Tom, we had to rush out there before the top of the hours, looking at the Monday slate. As you were talking about a possible quick trip to AC, I stopped counting after 50. It looks like there's a hundred games on, starting at 9 a.m. Pacific time, ending last tip off is 9 p.m pacific time
0: yeah it's pretty great (laughs) i i will just plop down in the sports book for like 20 hours and be perfectly fine (laughs) with it i what's funny is that i actually usually in the beginning of seasons you you alluded to it um i kind of go very slow into it i actually have already started circling and highlighting about four or five different games that i do like and um i've been doing my college basketball stuff for a while so let me give a quick plug here Because I have been putting them up on YouTube. They'll all be up by tomorrow night. But um, I've been putting all my my previews. Last year, we got massive, massive feedback from it. They're about 15 minutes each. I got every conference, every major conference out there. Uh, They'll all be – they're trickling in. So I got about five of them up. And the rest will be up uh, all by tomorrow night. Go check it out at Tom Barton Sports over on YouTube.
1: Keep me posted, Tom, if you make the roadie. I like the stories, so.
0: Yeah, uh, there's a (laughs) – yeah, it's just I hate driving when I'm tired, so I got to see how
1: tired I am. Let's look at this Week Nine NFL card. Tom, there's actually only two. Looks like two four o'clock games tomorrow.
0: So yeah, that's what I'm saying, and I don't like either one of them. I'm not betting on either one of them. I don't even have a prop playing either one of them. That's that's the time to drive.
1: Yeah. Let's look at those first. Seattle at Arizona in a matchup of the NFC West. Seattle 5-3. and three. They lead San Francisco by a game. Arizona 3-5. and five. Tom, we have an update in line of... It started out, opened at 4. We're about a point and a half, some places 2. Cardinals are the favorite.
0: Yeah, look, the Cardinals are a frustrating team, right? Because you see what they can be they just never are and you could blame that on coaching sure uh, i have <laughs> you could blame it on the quarterback sure you know i have um uh, kingsbury's 9 and 15 against the spread as a favorite tip right mm-hmm. I, I mean talk about what, what what you want but cardinals are just not a good team what, what do you blame do you because i've gotten people write me that i'm just too hard on the coach what do you blame
1: of uh, why Arizona is so inconsistent?
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. aren't they talented or am I overrating this roster? What, what about last year? I mean, I blame Murray. I don't think he's the guy. I blame Kingsbury. I, I certainly don't believe he's the guy. Uh, but maybe they don't have the talent. I mean, Brown's injured. Hopkins is certainly good, but the offensive line is a little weak. Their defense is up and down. Who's to blame? Is it the GM
1: that didn't put this team together? I'm not sure. Right there has to be somebody. I don't think they've ever been all. Um, I don't think you've ever seen Arizona be good all at the same time. if that makes sense. Uh, when Murray's going good, Hopkins is suspended. When uh, Hopkins is, is we saw what he's done in the first two games since his suspension. Murray's been very lackluster. Connor's been out injured most of last was of last year, most of this year. Brown is out now. Uh, Rondell Moore looks good, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. You know, there's so Ertz, I think has been the most consistent guy they've had the running back position. You talk about Benjamin, all you want, uh, stepping in for Connor, but they seemed like they were a better team, Tommy, when Connor was healthy. So I don't know. And you know, the defense has always been kind of a sieve other than Buda Baker. So
0: is third worst in the NFL too, 26 right. points per game.
1: Right. So I think there's a lot to blame, but where is it? Where do you? Start chopping heads. It's got to be the guy that wanted Murray, and that was Kingsbury.
0: All right. Now let's go to (laughs) why are they favored in this game? Because Smith, 12 touchdowns, one turnover, the last six games. He looked absolutely fantastic. Kenneth Walker, touchdown in four straight games. He looks like the real deal, right? Um, Mm. you, You look at Seattle. They're the only team in the NFL to rank in the top eight in defense for passing and rushing on both offense and defense for the last month. That's huge. And you look at, at everything is in Seattle's favor. Why are people not buying into this? They are well-coached. They have a good offensive line. They have good receivers. Metcalf will be back for this game. A good running back. The defense is playing well above their heads. Uh, they just continue to keep winning, yet they're getting points
1: in this game, Tim. That's something that just keeps me off of it. You know, <clears throat> Seahawks have won three in a row. You can't even say it's, it's a home field advantage because the Cardinals are one in three at home this year. It's- yeah, they're terrible at home. Yeah, it's just something that when I see something like that, I, I just stay away because I've, you and I have learned over the years, Tom, it, it seems too good to be true. It usually is. I, I just look, I made
0: money on Seattle last week in a spot where uh, you know, people were loading up on the Giants. I continue to just keep pounding on Seattle and I, I just don't understand why people are slow to come around on them. It's not like they don't have marquee guys. It's not like they don't have a marquee coach. It's not like they're not, you know, playing both well on both sides of the, of the ball. Everything is working for Seattle, and they just continue to keep getting underrated. This this game for me is Seattle or nothing, Tim. There's no way
1: you can take the Cardinal playing points. Maybe a little bit of it is. It's hard to see how they, you know, you like to think of the theories, right, Tom? In that because most people betting generally the good bettors know what's going on. But even the casual fan, when you look at it, Seattle, Arizona. Oh, well, I know Kyler Murray. Isn't that how people would think? I mean, yeah. you talk to a casual fan. Oh, I know Kyler Murray. I'll take Kyler Murray over Geno Smith. Right. Or not even Geno Smith. They would be, well, Russell's not there no more. But I don't think you could factor that handicapping wise into it because it just doesn't make sense to me. But I'm with you on If you're pounding a team, they're on a winning streak and you're getting points? It makes sense made, to me. Yeah, I just, it's Seattle or just, nothing. Yeah, yeah. The uh, other afternoon game, Tom, is a matchup of the last two Super Bowl champions. You got the Rams at Tampa. Tampa Bay up to a three-point favorite. And this one, the Rams, man. we Pretty much from the beginning of the preview season, week one, until now we've talked about the offensive ineptitude that they, they've had, and Stafford, who really, other than a few games here and there, Tom, has looked nothing like last year. They are struggling badly, and we saw that last week in San Francisco, again, just demolished them. You know, you talk about owning somebody. Well, Shanahan definitely owns McVeigh when you talk about um, rivalry. So now you have a, a Tampa team coming in last Thursday night to Baltimore. They get a little extra rest. They stayed at home, and they're a field goal favorite tomorrow afternoon.
0: These teams are 4-12 and against the spread combined, Tim, <laughs> right? And it, it, it's the Rams' injured line. Look, they, they have a fifth stringer playing. They're on their seventh offensive line combination. Matthew Stafford's been sacked 24 times. That's third most in the NFL. Uh, you now look at uh, Cooper Cup is walking around gingerly. I think he's going to be okay, but he's walking around gingerly. The Rams are 0-4 this season when they're playing a top-10 scoring defense, right? Uh, and they're getting crushed in those games. I don't like a lot about the Bucs here, okay? The Bucks have some problems. Tom Brady's three and five for the first time. Tom Brady filed for divorce this week. Look, if you like things outside is that that's bad. The offensive line is bad, but Brady's only been sacked 13 times. He just doesn't get sacked. But he's just look, he hasn't yet to cover it as a home favorite in three games this year. But defensively, I think the Bucs are going to step up here. Even with their problems. They have had problems defensively. And we watched it on full display. Devin White looked like a shell of himself last week. But defensively, Look, they're giving up the seventh fewest points in the NFL. I, I, I get that Tampa Bay's looked bad. I get that there's outside factors. I understand it. But if you were going up against two bad offensive lines, one guy's getting sacked almost double the other guy. I'm going to take the guy that's not getting sacked. I hate this game from a betting standpoint. I don't even love it from a watching standpoint. Um, but this is a game that that, to me, I mean how how do you not go with Brady at this point at home even though it's laying a small number.
1: Rams 3 and 4 bucks 3 and 5 bucks also just 1 and 3 on their home field Raymond James Stadium. Yeah, I'm with you Tom. It's another one. You have to bet it I guess you take Tampa but at the same time I I wouldn't feel comfortable either way. So Let's look at the Sunday nighter. Get a good one. Well, on paper, it looks pretty good. Both teams five and two. Tennessee at Kansas City. Tommy, the Chiefs. Twelve point favorite in this one. You you get the AC right in time for this one.
0: I want to because I like this game, right? <laughs> I mean this is gonna be a fun game. I, I don't get the point spread because it's huge, but here's what we know. The conversation is gonna be about Andy Reid. Andy Reid, Andy Reid, and more Andy Reid. Andy Reid is 20-3 regular season after a bye week, right? That's the best percentage in the history of the NFL. We get that, right? Andy Reid, since 2014, has gone 0-4 against Tennessee. Though There is a kryptonite, and the kryptonite is Tennessee. The Chiefs, they might have given up the third-fewest rushing yards in the NFL, but Derrick Henry, over the course of his career, has absolutely crushed this team. 111 yards per game, 5-point yards per carry. Last year, the Chiefs were rolling right along, here we go. What's going on? Oh, man, they're going to crush them. 27-3, they completely shut them down. I don't know why, but Rabel absolutely has Andy Reid's number. Now, Kansas City's good at home. We know that. And they're off of a bye week. We get it. But the three games at Arrow this season has been by a combined eight-point total. So you have all the narrative of how great Andy Reid is off of a bye week. You have all the narrative of how great Patrick Mahomes is at home all the narrative, but you can't forget the other side of this. And that is that Tennessee and their game plan have just owned the chiefs that, you know, they haven't beaten them. They're, they're four and zero against them. They dominate. And right now Henry is back to dominating overall. their last five games here, Tim. Derek Henry has 146 touches. The next closest Titan is 22. Ryan Daniel is going to be banged up here. He traveled with the team. We don't know if he's a game time decision or not, I expect that if Ryan Tannehill is named the starter, this gets down. This, this number comes falling. But I don't think that Ryan Tannehill, the difference between him and Malik Willis, should still be a 12 point spread on a team that absolutely dominates the other team.
1: Hmm. If it is Malik Willis, you just stack the line and make him beat you. That's the, the simple math, right?
0: Uh, can they stop Derrick Henry? I mean, you've always, you've always
1: stacked the line against him, no? Yeah, uh, I mean, when you talk about Tennessee, obviously their best receivers are no well, the guys that were able to be successful in past years are no longer there. So, who's the star and stand out in, in the wide receiving corp? I don't know. Do you overstack the line and stop Henry? Is there such a thing in the NFL, Tom?
0: I mean, that's what you, that's what they're going to do. I mean, you'll you, you hear the old adage, put eight men in the box. Well, everybody puts eight men in the box against Tennessee. It's going to be put nine men in the box. And we watched that the last four times that they faced them. Right. I mean, every time that Kansas city goes up against Tennessee, what they do is they put nine men in the box and Derek Henry still runs for 111 yards every single game against them. I, I think, I think if Malik Wilson's in there, it actually gives them a little bit of an advantage Tim, because he's got some wheels. So I don't expect the downfield throws or, or anything from either one of these guys. But Malik Willis could pull it out and he could do end arounds and he could be that secondary runner when everyone's converging on Henry. I don't think the Chiefs lose this game. And as a matter of fact, I don't love the Titans with, with the points because they could get blown out. But I'm trying to give the other side that all I've heard about is how great Andy Reid is off of bye week. But we seem to forget and everyone seems to forget Titans have owned Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes.
1: What about some props? you like anything? I know you've been high on Henry the last couple weeks.
0: His numbers are just, it, it gets a little ridiculous. Um, I would say you could look at carries. Carries right now are over 21 and a half. That's a little nuts.
1: Hmm. You know,
0: his yards over 105, that's a little nuts. I don't like anything quite yet. If Willis is the starter, I will take him for carries. Right, designed runs from him. I will, I'll take a shot at that. And if you really, if you, if you're able to get a prop play where, um, you know, you're looking at the backups, right? A guy like Hilliard, I I don't know, you know, how many books are going to have that. I know my book will have it, uh, but go after him because they're going to, they, they want to run the ball all day. You can't go to Henry every single time. You're going to start to have to use those backups. And all you ask for is carries. You don't even ask them, ask them to be, you know, (laughs) good out there. Just get the carries.
1: Let's move to the morning matchups. We'll start in Cincinnati, the Panthers, 2-6 and six at the Bengals, 4-4. Four and four. Tom, the Bengals, a touchdown favorite home. Looks like Walker will quarterback at Carolina again in this game.
0: Yeah, and he look, he's not bad, right? I mean, if you watch the tape, the guy's got a gun. Uh, he, he's fine. You look at, you know, where these two teams are kind of different. It's just a mindset at this point. Um, you look at the Panthers, and, and you're asking me about prop plays. How about Foreman? Foreman ugh, carried the ball 26 times against Atlanta. His over-under for this game, Tim, is 15 and a half.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, I mean, Cincinnati has allowed you know the number one running back to get at least 16 attempts in each of the last three games. The Bengals are going to play a lot closer game than people think only because Joe Burrow got sacked 30 times. 30 times Tim, him. They're going to get him killed, man. They really are. And here comes uh, a pretty good Brian Burns and company up the middle that can really, really do some damage. I will say this. Joe Burrow performs much better at home. He averages 380-plus yards passing, five touchdowns, no interceptions, last two home, home starts. They're better at home. And the Bengals also... Uh, You look at this, and they look—they lost their number one cornerback, a torn ACL. But I don't think it matters. I think Carolina's going to just run, 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 and run on this team. We watched the Browns just do it. Foreman on 41 carries has 236 yards. I think he's going to be able to have a lot of success. And, And to me, this is a closer game than people think. I keep hearing everybody all week going, oh, it's only seven points. It's only seven and a half, whatever the number might be. And I'm going. Oh, that I think that's about right. Right. I mean, I think that's about right. I like a lot of things that I see with Caroline.
1: How do you feel with the, with the trade now? Obviously, look, is not going anywhere this year, right? They're not. They're not making the playoffs. Um, we don't know if PJ Walker is is that guy for the future either. But this is a good audition for him. But we're not going to really be able to tell what the the uh, payoff's going to be for McCaffrey for for a few years. But it's not. It's not definitely not a team that's just thrown in the towel. Let's put it that way, like you said. No, listen,
0: they it, it, they have a lot of Raiders feel out there from last year, right? New head coach, new quarterback, new starting running back. All right, let's go earn it, right? I, I mean that that makes teams dangerous when you're yeah. going out there and it, you know you have a new hey why not kind of attitude, and that's what Carolina has. They they've played three games in a row now, pretty good games. I mean, they beat the Bucks. They. Had the Rams backs against the wall. Uh, you know, they had that game in Atlanta, pretty much won. They're playing good football right now because they like their coach. They like their quarterback. They rally behind him. And and they, they have new pieces to this team that they are really starting to like.
1: Go to the NFC North Packers. Lions pack three and Detroit one and six. Packers have lost four in a row. Tom, the Lions have lost five in a row. Just uh, the craps of the division here. Packers, road favorite division game, three and a half.
0: One thing I know about uh, you know the Lions at this point is that they, they play tough. Uh, they always seem to play the Packers tough. And the Packers are just in a bad way, right? I mean, the Packers, look, the Packers are a game under 500 against the spread going back to 1980 against the Lions, right? Now the Lions are, mm-hmm. they're terrible. We know that. They're terrible. Detroit's defense allowed 24 points in every game this year. Um, they're, they're they're a bad team. But so are the Packers, right? I mean, the Packers allow the fourth most rushing yards in the league at 141 yards. Detroit ranks 30th in run defense. The Packers are right there, right behind them, right? So the third and fourth worst run defense. I think you can run on this team. I think Swift and Jamal at Williams will have – Some success. Devin Singletary had 50 yards through basically like a quarter against the Packers last week. Um, The Packers' run defense on missed tackles is one of the worst missed tackling units in the league. I I think everybody's just assuming the Packers kind of fixed this thing at one point. And maybe it's against the Lions who are one and six. Maybe against the Lions that are terrible. Lions went out, they fired their defensive backs coach this week. You know, maybe it's this is that game where everything kind of falls right for Aaron Rodgers. It wouldn't shock me. Uh, but I just think that, look, the old Packers are not coming back and walking through that door all of a sudden.
1: Do we live in the, well, they're going to get it right eventually? And, and I think it's easier to say with Brady because he's done it consistently year after year. But. Look, he's struggling. Rogers is struggling. They're both over 40. Um, I, think, I think in Tampa, Tom has a little more weapons to deal with than Aaron does. But at the same time, what if they lose tomorrow? What if Packers lose again? That's five in a row, three and six. Forget the playoffs. I mean, you know, maybe it's, we should just come to terms with And I know you've said it. Maybe we just come to terms with like both these guys are probably not going to be here next year.
0: You know, it's funny because Brady's actually playing well. Um, but not Brady level, right? And Aaron Rodgers is playing poorly, and everybody just kind of expects him to come back. One of the things that Brady did is he reset our brains on what a quarterback age is, right? I mentioned this with Matthew Stafford last year. I said, I don't know how long Matthew Stafford has. I mentioned this about Matt Ryan before the year. It used to be, Tim, that 33-34, we expected quarterbacks to kind of fall off the off the map, right? You get to 35, 36, oh, man, that's, I mean, that's it. You're you're, going to hit that wall. But because Brady set the standard for 45 years old, all of a sudden, everything changed, right? All of a sudden, everybody was going to be perfectly okay. You said it. Look, Aaron Rodgers is coming up to age 39. Maybe he just hit the wall, right? Matt Ryan didn't look good this year. Matt Ryan, 37. Maybe he just hit the wall. It's a very possible scenario, and it sounds nuts that I'm saying it now. But if I said this 10 years ago, that a 38-year-old MVP from last year just hit a wall, you'd go, yeah, we've seen it happen before, right? We watched Drew Brees look old overnight. We watched Peyton Manning look old overnight. And you could blame injuries and things like that. Well, you don't think Aaron Rodgers have had injuries in his life? I think that Aaron Rodgers is upset with his head coach. He's made comments in the last two weeks that show you he doesn't like the system. He doesn't like the, the head coach. He doesn't like what he's doing. And he's upset. He's thinking about life after football. He's out doing different things. Aaron Rodgers right now, the number one priority Aaron Rodgers is not winning. It's not put it all on the line. It's kind of, I want to play one more year. When you start to get into that position, sometimes you hit that wall fast.
1: Aaron Rodgers may have hit that wall. It's not only the coach. I know he's not a fan of the GM either. I remember during the trade week, um, who was the, who was the, slips my mind now. I'm sorry. Who was the receiver that got traded? Devonte. Yeah. And they never replaced him. And then when the, the trade deadline came up this year, and you had Claypool out there, and they were, they brought it. Up, one of the reporters brought it up to him. He's like, I mean, I'd love to see Claypool here, but. It's up to what the front office is going to do. Hopefully, they're involved in it, and they weren't. They, it was never even a discussion point. So, I, I think we're seeing the end of it, and maybe this year he's regretting coming back at all. Tom, yeah,
0: I, I think so. You know, they asked him two weeks ago. Uh, they asked Aaron Ross, "What do you think? You know, we should, th- that that the team should do?" And he said, "I think we need to simplify the offense." They asked Matt LaFleur. They said, you know, he said he wants to simplify the offense. Matt LaFleur literally looked at the camera and said, I have no idea what that means, I have no idea what Aaron means. (laughs) Then this week, they asked Aaron Rodgers again, what do you do? He goes, well, I think it's time to start playing guys who aren't playing, and the guys who aren't performing need to sit down. They asked Matt LaFleur about it. Matt LaFleur, in a very kind way, said, well, I'm the coach, and I think that these guys should be playing. So don't tell me they're not at odds. You know, I mean, come on.
1: What do you do if you're – Say so you get to week thirteen and the Packers are five and seven out of the playoffs. Or four and eight There's nothing they can do. You don't you
0: there's,
1: don't bench them and start uh love?
0: They they won't do it. No way. No way. They should, they won't.
1: Yeah. As much as Lafleur would want to do it, he probably like you said, I don't think the, the the fans would just revolt, wouldn't they?
0: Yeah. I mean yeah. and and you, you know, you start to hear, "Well, maybe they should trade Aaron Rodgers." Not with that new contract they're not doing it. No. Aaron Rodgers is going down with the ship, and he's taking Green Bay with him.
1: Soldier Field, Tommy. Your Bears 3 and 5. Welcome in Miami 5 and 3 Dolphins. A four ugly 4-point four favorite at on the road in this interconference matchup. Tim,
0: everybody's going crazy about the weather tomorrow, right? Oh, it's going to be so windy in Chicago. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's about 13-mile-per-hour winds. The gusts could get up there. I'm not worried about it at all. I'm really not I'm at all. Um, I will tell you this. I'm looking at this, and I'm going, whatever Chicago is doing offensively is working, Tim. It is working. You can talk to me all you want about you don't like it and it's ugly. It is working. They have now faced two of the top ten defenses the last two weeks, including the Cowboys, who people thought – were the number one defense. They put up 371 yards and 29 29 points, right? They also scored 33 against New England and put up 390 yards. They are able to move the ball. The Bears have the number eight offense overall over the last two weeks. Yeah, they're able to move the ball. Miami's defense, they allowed 27 points and almost 400 yards to Detroit, even though, you know what? Look, Detroit was terrible. They still let that up. The Dolphins are going to score some points here. The Bears' defense is terrible. They got rid of Robert Quinn. They got rid of Roquan Smith. Their Bears' defense should be so bad here. But I have full confidence that the Bears can kind of keep this thing close because of their offense, which is a crazy thing to say. The Bears have problems in all facets on defense, and I think that the Dolphins, if if they're able to stay within themselves, they should be able to win this game and win it handedly. But if you let the Bears hang around, we've watched plenty of teams do it. You watch the Bears hang around and hang around and hang around. All of a sudden, you find yourself in a sloshy, gross kind of game, and you're going, what happened here? This line opened up at the Dolphins minus three. It's up to six in some spots. I think it should have probably opened at six, Tim.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I see a, a, a nice five spot over at Caesars, so you can get a five there. What about the total, four weeks? You like maybe an over here if the players, like you said, they've been, been able to score?
0: Yeah, the over makes a lot of sense. I, I am slightly concerned about the weather. Like, I want to wake up tomorrow because it was supposed to be earlier today at about 11 o'clock today. They were saying 22-mile-per-hour winds. I checked before we came on the air. And they're saying about 13 mile per hour wins. Tim, that's a massive difference, right? <laughs> a massive difference, um, especially for the Dolphins who want to go down the field and throw it. I mean, Justin Fields doesn't care if it's, you know, you could have 100 mile per hour wins. He's like, well, I'm just going to run it all day anyway. So it hurts the Dolphins and it hurts the over. But if I wake up tomorrow morning and I see 12, 13 mile per hour wins, I'm okay with that. I don't get nervous until 15.
1: Colts, Pats. Colts 3, 4, and 1. New England, 4 and 4. This one's in Foxborough, Gillette. Patriots, a five point favorite, Tommy and Mac Jones back in the swing of things for the Pats. Colts, losers of two in a row. They've looked kind of ugly at that point as well. I think we both like Patriots tomorrow. Tim, uh,
0: what year is Sam Allen now? now? Is he he a rookie? Is he a rookie? Because rookie quarterbacks are 8-24 all-time against Belichick, Tim. He destroys young quarterbacks, destroys quarterbacks for the first time on the road. The Colts are averaging 10 points on the road all year. Uh, Alec Pierce came out, wide receiver Alec Pierce. He said, the defense has bailed us out. we got to score like at least 20 points. I mean, it is really, really bad on that side. Now, look, I don't think Mac Jones... Is the answer? I don't think that Mac Jones is the guy that you look at and you go, I feel fully confident to lay like a touchdown with him. But Belichick against young and rookie quarterbacks dominates them. And by the way, eight and twenty-four all-time against rookie quarterbacks. Two of those wins came against uh, uh, Tua, and for some reason, three of those five, or three of those eight wins came against lefties. Belichick doesn't handle lefty well. Sam Allen is a righty.
1: And Frank Reich, you know, we talk about the hot seat all the time. I think Frank Reich's really looking in the, in the rearview mirror here that not playing well. He essentially sparked the team by uh, benching Ryan for a rook. That didn't go well last week, Tom. A loss here, you know, it's you just keep going downhill at that point. And if you thought Henry and They, they run, just fired Marcus Brady, their offensive coordinator. Yeah. So what's the next step? The coach, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, Col- the Colts are 19th in yards per game and 30th in points per game. Uh, that That's just awful. And now they have to go on the road, brand new offensive coordinator, and a rookie quarterback making his first road start against Belichick.
1: I'm not saying Ramond Stevenson's Derrick Henry, Tom, but you'd have to expect that he's looking to have a big game tomorrow as well.
0: Oh, I like Stevenson a lot, yeah.
1: Bills, Jets. Buffalo six and one coming off a win at Green Green Bay, the Jets five and three. Maybe that was the real Jets last week, Tommy, and the Jets five and three, one and three on their home field. Buffalo is an eleven point road favorite in division.
0: Look, this is going to be the fourth time Buffalo is a double digit favorite this season. It's the first time it's on the road. I get it. It's a division favorite there's nothing bad to say about buffalo right i could go into zach wilson probably being benched or should have been benched i could talk lovingly about josh allen that was 15 passing touchdowns outside the pocket since last year that's five more than any other quarterback he gets out in space i could talk about it all lovingly but what i will say is that there is a small concern here tim because the green bay packers defense which was awful they held the bills to three second half points last week the bills tend to play up or down to their competition And I do kind of worry about, you know, a fourth quarter, oh, well, we don't care anymore, and the Jets kind of backdoor cover here. It's a lot of
1: points. But it was you, Buffalo wins 34-10. Oh, I
0: I think that's a pretty accurate number, actually. (laughs) (laughs) You know, somebody asked me today what I thought. I said 31-10. I said, but I'm not betting the game because I do worry about, you know, a a Buffalo team getting out to a huge lead. It's twenty-seven, you know, ten, and then you know Wilson throws a, a touchdown at the end with Josh Allen celebrating on the sidelines, and the final is twenty-seven seventeen.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of times though, when you look at matchups with double-digit spreads, and and you kind of just eyeball the, the the handicap, and it's like. All these factors play into it, but yet this is the NFL. This is a division game. You're on the road. All these factors play into it. But the Jets I saw last week, Tom, was more indicative of the Jets that I think they are, rather than the run they went on. And we're, you know, really when we, you know, we looked at the, the Eagles schedule and we picked apart the nine wins. We can pick apart the five Jet wins. How many of them are, are quality wins is the question. Wins a win though, right? So, right. The record kind of overvalues the Jets in my my case when I look at it. And when I look at you have the best quarterback in the NFL, you have the best receiver in the NFL, and you have a running attack of whether it's Singletary or McKenzie, and then he wants to mix it up. He, I mean, he has so many weapons at his availability there that I get what you're saying about the offense staggered itself or was sluggish in the second half last week. I think I think maybe that's something that's corrected in this week, and, and I look for them to have a big game. And I look for that defense to, to continue to have a so I like if I was betting it, I'd bet the points, but I can see all the factors of why you wouldn't.
0: Yeah, I'm not taking the Jets, no chance. But yeah, I, I it's it's a stay away from me.
1: The uh, travel game here, the inconsistent Tommy, San Diego Chargers, four and three at Atlanta, four and four, three and one there in the dome. And good. Uh, It's a nice surprise has been Atlanta and Marcus Mariota, actually former quarterback. Now that he gets a chance to play, look at it. Look at what he's doing. Chargers, three-point road favorite. Inconsistent and coming off a terrible loss at home against the Seahawks.
0: There's just a lot to not like about the Chargers here. I mean, talk about Justin Herbert. You know, he's got six touchdowns, one interception on the road. Oh, that's great. The Chargers' defense uh, is getting you know absolutely gashed on the ground, though, right? 6.1 yards per rushing attempt, uh, more than Houston, actually. Uh, but the Chargers are going to go in with a passing attack of the Falcons' defense that has been the worst at stopping the pass this year. Here's the problem. What kind of passing attack will the Chargers come in with? They are missing Keenan Allen. They are missing Mike Williams. Uh, they are missing all kinds of guys offensive weapons i worry about this game I, I do the falcons have the nfl's fifth best rushing offense going up against this rushing defense if they're a, and cordell patterson's coming back if they're able to play keep away here and you know just grind that clock get those first downs and, and make this that short crazy game i could see the falcons upsetting them because the Chargers are just so banged up in the passing game
1: I mean, Allen's been out all season, basically, right? Yeah. Yep. Allen, and now Mike Williams is down. So you have Carter, um, Kelly. You know, what are you? Um, What are you going? What are you going? Yeah, Palmer. Sorry, not Kelly. Palmer. Though that's what uh, the tight end, the big guy. You know, their options are limited, and you know Eckler's been the guy. That's that's their MVP right now, and. It's tough. It's tough to bet them as a favorite on the road against a team that's, you know, you talked about not letting down in in Carolina. How about the Falcons? Nobody expected them to be 4-4 four and four at this point, Tom. Nobody expected Mariota to have the numbers he has right now. And you said it. The guy that was a spark plug at the beginning of the season in Patterson back in the lineup. I like the home dog here.
0: Yeah, I like it makes the Chargers. a lot of sense. Yeah. It, it, it look it makes it makes sense, you know. Um, I don't know what to make of this Atlanta team. I really don't. I, I really don't. I know that they're playing above their head. I just I, I look at it and I go, just don't buy into it. I just don't buy into it.
1: Hmm. Well, they're they're you know they they beat the Niners. They beat the Seahawks. They came from behind and won a game last week against Carolina in a game that normally you'd think a team that's not supposed to be in this position would lose. They they played Brady tough earlier in the year, and, and they uh, look they, they barely lost to the Saints and they barely lost to the Rams. So it's not like they're getting – I don't I wouldn't say getting lucky. The only game they looked terrible in was a Cincinnati one a couple of weeks ago. That's Cincinnati. Right. So I, I I love the Chargers, but. Give me the field goal, Tom. Yeah,
0: I get it. Uh, and you do like the Chargers, so that's saying something. Yeah.
1: A couple more here to go. How about, Tom, Is are the Vikings the most unknown 6-1 team in, in the NFL? Five straight they've won. Uh, you know, Cook's starting to heat up. Obviously, you have the Jefferson factor, but even he wasn't so much of a factor in the last couple games. They're a three-point favorite on the road. At Washington.
0: Tim, five of their wins so far. They were down with five minutes to go. So it's okay if you think they're a little fraudulent. They just traded for T.J. Hawkinson. You know, I mean, people are getting very excited about that. I don't think he's going to be a, an immediate, all of a sudden, great situation. Heineke's won two of the last three. Commanders are playing well right now. And the Vikings, look, their big thing is they they stopped the rushing attack. They've limited their last three opponents to 76 yards rushing per game. That is pretty huge. If they stop the rushing attack and make Heineke win this game, the Vikings can get the road win. Uh, but what the commanders do well is they flip the ball out. They, they don't necessarily run the ball, but they get it out to Antonio Gibson in space. They do those things that can frustrate this Vikings team. And the Vikings play every game close. I haven't seen a really a good complete game from the Vikings where I feel like, oh, yeah, that's, that's a team I'm going out there and giving points on the road to a team that's won two of the last three.
1: Mm-hmm only needing a field goal and you said, you know, the Vikings penchant of coming from behind to win the defense actually has been okay for Minnesota only giving up 144 points this year. So if the game is close, Tom, I think that's just where you need to be with Minnesota, right? If you're close, get a chance to win that game with a field goal to win, get out of there. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> it could be another one of those very close, very
0: tight games, but Minnesota just improves that record. And, really just starts loading up and going, I think Minnesota's not only a playoff team, but I think they're the division leaders
1: right now. But when you look at the East, and, and you and I kind of talked about uh, the, the fraud Eagles at 8-0, um, would, you, would you put the Vikings in that fraud category as well, that they're going to have a nice record heading into the playoffs a division champion, but could be easily a first-round exit?
0: I want to play the Vikings and the Eagles in the first round. If I'm a team like Tampa Bay or the Niners, right, or the Rams even, yeah, I want to play these teams. These teams that play close, tight games, barely beating up on on bad teams. Yeah, I want to play these teams because it it is going to be a shocking kind of revelation when they actually have to play – a good team or in a good spot. I think the Vikings are a fraudulent team as well. And I'm a guy that picked, by the way, before the year, I gave you guys two team totals at TomBartonSports.com, and I gave it a lot live on the air. Two team totals. I gave you Minnesota. I gave you Philadelphia. Right? So when I tell you that I think they're fraudulent, I'm also winning money with them, so I'm happy about it. But that doesn't mean that I'm buying in. I looked at their schedule. I knew what they were going to be looking at. And and sometimes you just get fraudulent type of situations, and that's what we have.
1: Since we brought up the Eagles real quick, 29-17 win Thursday night, 8-0. And we kind of – I sent you the – somebody had made like a little meme, and we were laughing about it. When you looked at their wins, there wasn't a quality win on the schedule for whatever reason, right? It was the Lions, or it was uh, Kirk Cousins in prime time, right, Tom, or – uh, no Dak Prescott for Dallas or uh, Trevor Lawrence was a, was the an answer to one of them. That's why they won the game. So, you know, we talked kind of about the run that they would make here and where the losses would come, but even in the, the rest of this month, they have a home game against Washington next week on uh, Monday night. That could, that could be tough. It could be, but see, they find a way to win. You have the Colts and the Packers after that. Now, they do have a home game against Tennessee a month. But after that, at New York, at Chicago, so maybe in that spot of a three straight road games, there's a loss somewhere. But then the Saints and the Giants, so you and I kind of looked at it two weeks ago. Two weeks later, they have two more wins. Where's the loss?
0: Uh, You know, I I don't know. I I, I think, you know, we, we were talking about this, and there's got you know there's a time where you go okay there'll be favorites and then there there are trip up games right you mentioned it commanders could be a trip up game it's very possible that the commanders are 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 the trip up game but I don't think that that game is their trip up game does that does that make sense you know um it's more of oh yeah yeah well that that could be one of those you're gonna start getting into games where we don't know how the weather is gonna affect it right it's in the East Coast. I don't think Washington, Indy, Green Bay are the problem. Tennessee certainly could be. Tim, December 11th, you're going up against Derrick Henry running like crazy. That certainly could be. I mm-hmm. think Christmas Eve at Dallas, uh, not only do I think they lose that game, I think they could lose that game pretty horribly. And then you have two left against the Giants, one in New York you know, in December as well. So – The Tennessee Giant back to back, that could be a a real problem. And Dallas on Christmas Eve makes the most sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can't see as much as I would like to say it's Washington for me. It's they're going to have extra rest, an extra extra rest. It's a Monday nighter. It's a division game, and anything you know, barring, I would say, letting letting their guard down necessarily. Washington would have to get blown out tomorrow for even that to factor into any type of handicapping for me. So I think I think they get through Washington. I'm with you. I think it's Tennessee, and if they can get by that, it's that three-game road trip late in the month of December that they tripped up somewhere. I
0: mean, look at how many bad games Chicago has played weather-wise. You're telling me December 18th in Chicago with the running attack of the Bears, that, that couldn't trip them up?
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: You know, I'll, I, I think I think the better question isn't where's the one win come, uh, one loss come in. It is, is there going to be multiple losses? And, and I still think so. I think that Philadelphia ends losing two games, may, maybe three. I, I just don't see it, Tim. I, and again, this is a team, a, a team I picked before the year. I picked them to win the division. I'm going to make money on that. I picked them to get their team total over. I need two more wins for that. I, I, they're going to get that. But I could see them going into a little bit of a spiral here. I could see them losing again: Tennessee, Giants, Dallas, Chicago, even that New Orleans game. If everybody starts to get healthy, I, I think they lose two more games. It wouldn't shock me if it was three. I don't think they end in the year with one win, one lost. Tim.
1: Last game on the card: Vegas Raiders two and five, winless away from Legion Stadium at Jacksonville two and six. The Jags, Tommy, have lost five in a row. Uh, tear up every Trevor Lawrence piece of good karma you wanted for the guy. They look absolutely terrible right now. They cannot push the ball. Or they can't score. A lot of problems there in Jacksonville. Raiders, two and a half point favorite on the road.
0: Well, here's the good news for the Jacksonville Jaguars. All six of their losses, Tim, have come by one score. Right? The Raiders, four of their five losses have come by one score. I, I think it's going to be a close <laughs> game. I mean, that that's just what it is. Trevor Lawrence, 74 rating at home, quarterback rating. Derek Carr, 80 rating on the road. Not much of a difference. They're both terrible in those spots, right? I mean, that's what we're looking at. Um, The Jaguars don't get a bye week after London. That's a problem. It kind of plagued the Raiders. Here's the thing that drives me nuts about the Raiders and ever backing them. They invested everything into Max Crosby and Jones, right? I mean, that was going to be it. That was going to make up for the deficiencies in the defensive backfield. That was going to make up for all the deficiencies that they had. That was going to be it. It was all going to to come away because of that. Well, the Raiders last week were credited with zero quarterback hits for only the second time in more than a decade. They didn't touch the quarterback last week, Tim. If you don't touch the quarterback against the Jacksonville Jaguars, you're going to lose this game and you're going to lose it ugly. Jacksonville – When you look at metrics and they have the analytics and the numbers to do this, the Jacksonville Jaguars have been the least lucky team in the NFL. They've given up the third most points in the last two minutes of the half and in the last two minutes of the game. Jacksonville, like I said, they play close games. This should be the Jacobs against UTN show. If Jacksonville goes down the field and they try to force it and force the ball in the air, which Derek Carr has a tendency to do, Jacksonville can win this game. I think the Raiders should be the favorites here, but it is a tight game on the road, giving points at Jacksonville team. If they were not coming back from London, Tim, I'd be taking the points to Jacksonville all day.
1: Coming back from London. Um, Lawrence has looked very, very subhuman. The Raiders embarrassed last week in new Orleans shut out. They actually stayed out on the uh, they went straight to Florida Tom and have been there all week. I'd like the Raiders to get the win tomorrow.
0: You know, why don't I don't know why don't I feel the same way with, with, with this game with I just I have so many
1: doubts. so many doubts. Free play time, Tom. What do you like tomorrow?
0: Well, I've been absolutely crushing it. If you guys watch, go to YouTube, Go check out uh, Tom Barton Sports over on my Twitter account. I'm working with Believe in Betting on my best bets, and I have now won six straight games over the last three weeks. I have not lost a free bet in college and pro. Six and O over the last three weeks. I'm going to give you the same play that I gave them. I am very concerned about the weather, Tim. I am. I'm I'm concerned about the weather. I can't say that I'm not. But let's just be honest. I think Miami is going to score some points tomorrow. I like the Bears offense. They scored 33-29 against top 10 defenses. I think that they found a little something. And I think Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn being gone off of this team, not only does it crush them on the field, it also crushes their locker room. You saw guys crying because of it. Their defense got worse. They can't stop anybody. This is a low number at 44, Tim. It wouldn't surprise me if both of these teams put up 30. It wouldn't surprise me if the Dolphins put up 40 here. I think it flies over the total.
1: Tom Barton over the total in Chicago with the Dolphins and the Bears. The Timmy Teaser this week, Tom, 5-3 on the year, so we're 62%. Give me the Bengals. Pick them. Bills minus 4. All right. I like it. Okay. What we like is Tom Barton. Tom Barton Sports. Close this out, Tommy. Tell us everything you're doing right now, man. I know it's it's covering a lot of. Uh, you're wearing a lot of hats, my friend.
0: Well, listen. The biggest hat is TomBartonSports.com. I just told you I'm giving out free picks for the last three weeks. Over the last two Sundays, I'm six in one in the NFL. I'm absolutely crushing it all. All my college basketball plays will be up this week. Go check out TomBartonSports.com. You will make money with me. There's no upgrades, no commission. It's TomBartonSports.com.
1: And you know, Tom, and I got by the way, look. guys,
0: by the way, Tim, Jose Volante is going to join me tomorrow morning on Sports Garden Network's Want to Bet Show. Listen to that.
1: All right. I got the podcast loaded ready for the ride home, Tom. Oh, yeah. That is wagering <laughs> week is the podcast there. All right. For Tommy, for Mateo, we're back at it tomorrow night at 10 o'clock with your Week 9 NFL recap. We're going to talk some college basketball, like Tom said. I think I can get Tom to give us a future play tomorrow, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Until then, have a great sports Sunday. We'll talk to you at 10 o'clock tomorrow night. Heatwave Sports, only on Fox Sports Radio.